Hello, you are listening to the Whenever It Kicks podcast with me, Jessica. And today I'm going to be talking about co-sleeping. And I'm going to badly read something from a book. So I hope you enjoy it. And thank you if you have subscribed or just, you know, stumbled upon this podcast today. Thank you. Bye. Okay, I'm going to record that again because I was off. Hello, welcome to the Whenever It Clicks podcast by my mum, Jessie Cave. Okay, do it again. Ready? I'm just going to get the baby away. Hello, welcome to the Whenever It Clicks podcast by my mum, Jessie Cave. Hello, welcome to the Whenever It Clicks podcast by my mum, Jessie Cave. Hello. Hi. How are you? It's really strange asking a microphone, how are you, by the way, and I don't know why I'm doing that. I think it's because I've heard it on so many other podcasts and I'm copying, um, but it's a slightly strange day. It's a Sunday. I have stolen some time, if that's the right thing, to, if that means anything. Um, my mum is here and I have managed to sneak upstairs for half an hour to try and do something. And I should probably just be sitting down and relaxing, but I thought it'd be a nice time to try and talk about a few things on my mind. It's so stressful being a parent. (laughs) And it's just quite a relief to say that out loud sometimes because quite often I, I really try and not say that because I want to keep up the illusion that it's all great and easy, but it's actually, it's really hard sometimes. I think it's, Harder today because we're trapped inside for a number of reasons and Alfie is away and he's about to go away a lot actually on tour. So I'm getting used to that. And if you can hear any sounds downstairs, that's because we don't have any doors in this flat, which is another problem with this flat. I could list about 250 problems with this flat but you know we chose it so here we are but if you can hear them they are watching nativity three now if you don't know what nativity is nativity is a film starring mark Wotton, who's a great comedy person and it's about children at a school making a nativity and for some reason margot is completely obsessed with this film there's a nativity two and this morning after watching nativity one and nativity two probably around 50 times over the christmas holidays and i had to i had to ban it this morning we were stumbling up you know around on amazon prime looking for something to watch that was free and <laughs> nativity three was there and it's not on netflix And now I know why it's because it's not very good. But yeah, we watched Nativity 3 for the first time and she's already watching it for the second time today. Donnie is playing with his blade blades. I've just tried to do a baby battle with him and failed. And I feel quite embarrassed by the amount of money we spent on baby blades. Actually, I tried to remember the first baby we bought him today and I can't even remember. It's just slowly built up to the 30 odd collection he has. And at first I thought, oh, this is, you know, we shouldn't be indulging this. It's a weird, like what, you know, it's it's so much money for each baby. This is a stupid hobby. 
he is so good at Beyblades. It's made me change my mind. He just showed me that he can hand spin, which you usually need a launcher unless you are, you know, down with the Beyblade speak. You know, you wouldn't know what a launcher was, but that's basically a little contraption to help you spin the Beyblade better. And the Beyblade, basically the whole point of them is to have battles and you have to try and stay upright for as long as possible. It's like a spinning top, but a more cool version. My brothers used to play with them. I cannot believe they are still a thing, but Donnie is obsessed and even I find it quite difficult. He's seven now and I find it quite difficult to find activities to do with him that don't, I don't don't want to say bore me because that's horrible, but I find it quite difficult to, like, I'm not very good at imaginary games and I've just, I've accepted that as a mother and I've, I've stopped beating myself up about it because it's just something I'm not good at. Some mums are great at it. It's not my thing. But I'm really good at drawing with them and I draw with them a lot. And I think, okay, well, that's good enough. And actually, Baby Blattles are something I do like doing because I like hearing him talk about the technical stuff and showing me how he hand spins. And it's been quite a nice new thing for us to do and stop me feeling so guilty about doing not enough with them because I think every mother feels like they're never doing enough for their kids. But especially when you get emails, I got an email like last night, right before I went to bed, I opened an email from babycenter.com and babycenter.com you probably follow or have emails from if you're pregnant but what you don't realize when you're pregnant is that these emails will continue for a long time and I still get emails what to expect when with your seven-year-old or how to do stuff with your seven-year-old and or how to do stuff with your five-year-old or how to you know it just continues forever and their latest email from them is giving me advice about what to do as an alternative to screen time And I hated this email so much because, first of all, I mean, it's not like I, I, I'm, I let them do screens all the time. Yes, they do watch a lot of TV, but that's fine. They do play a bit on the iPads sometimes. And usually it's kind of educational stuff, but just the the things they were suggesting as alternative to screen time almost made me want to give them more screen time. Get a tray and put some washing up liquid in the tray. And then get a steel straw and let them play. Oh my God. Yeah, great. Bubbles. Well, bubbles are obviously great. I do like bubbles. But, you know, don't think that they're going to be more into bubbles than Sonic on an iPad. That kind of thing really annoys me. And obviously I do the suggestions. But I to try and avoid having to do the suggestions, I just don't read the emails. Anyway, that's my that's my vent over of the day. My little rant about um, everything. It's a strange time, I think, because I do see the days ticking down until this baby is born, this new baby. And I'm remembering what it was like with Ken when he was a new baby and how brilliant that time was, but also how frantic it was because like with the... The change when Margo was born, Donnie and me suddenly weren't alone. We we had an, a new baby, and I remember as the days were ticking down to Margo being born. It's really, I don't know. It, it feels very intense for me because I'm aware that everything's about to shift, and inevitably, a new baby, a tiny baby, 
is the center of attention because they need more from you all the time. So even though 10 is still a baby, he's just turned 15 months, he, he's able to do things on his own now. He can play and he can wander around and he's stimulating, stimulate, find things to stimulate him for, you know, a few minutes at a time before finding me. And it's lovely. I mean, it's really only a few minutes, but it's already got a little bit easier. And sometimes I do think, oh my God, this is so stupid. You know, the fact that there's going to be another baby here soon and it's actually got to a stage where it's quite nice. It's still near impossible with three, but it's quite nice a lot of the time because they play with each other and they can stimulate each other and they also can be independent. And it's a, it, we've got into a, a nice routine. I remember when Ken was first born and obviously I was in such a routine with Donnie and Margot with bedtime because it was the thing we did. We had a bath and then we went to bed and we read some stories and we I pretend to be asleep for two hours and then I can creep downstairs. Obviously, that's not a normal routine for most people. Most people have it down much better than that. They don't have to play asleep for two hours. And obviously, I'm exaggerating when I say two hours. But it is quite a long time I play dead just next to them in case they they hear me move and know that I'm going downstairs to have my dinner. Or as they like to say, are you spending time with daddy? And very often I have to be like, yes, I'm spending time with daddy. I have to spend time with daddy. And it's so ridiculous, the whole thing. I have to ask my kids to, for permission to spend time with their dad. But if I'm lucky, they fall asleep before I make the trip downstairs. Anyway, it's got easier as they've got older because they accept that I usually, you know, if they haven't fallen asleep, I, I am going downstairs. But I'm surprised by how often actually it's still like they're, they're quite tiny still and I have to pretend that I'm asleep and I and I have to do that for 10 still so reading them a bedtime story that went out the window when 10 was born because I realized I couldn't breastfeed and turn a page um it was a bit easier with Margot with Donnie when she was born because I could probably give I could breastfeed and 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 I just had one child to put my arm around Donnie it I don't know how I'm gonna do it with a new baby <laughs> And obviously the truth is I'm going to have to give the, the new, oh, that's 10 crying if you can hear. Um, he's got quite a loud cry. He's finding his voice at 15 months. Um, I don't even know what I was saying now, but I basically wanted to talk today a little bit about co-sleeping. So you might have gathered from the occasional Instagram I do showing my bedroom, although I've become a bit more scared of showing photos in my bedroom recently on Instagram because or my house in general because I got some some of my first hate comments which was exciting obviously it wasn't exciting it was quite um annoying to see but they and to be honest they weren't hate comments they were very mild very very passive aggressive little digs at the state of my house and how clean my bathroom is basically when I did the Instagram to announce that I was pregnant for the fourth time. I did a funny photo with BB in my bathroom and I didn't think to window lean the bathroom mirror, which was a big mistake. And I also, my, my bathroom has two mirrors. So we were looking into a mirror, but that reflected into the other mirror. So everyone saw all of our toothbrushes and our toothpaste. And how we roll the toothpaste over. So, you know, to get as much toothpaste out of the toothpaste roll and 
how we had mouthwash and how all of our shampoos had the, the lids open or, you know, they saw everything. They saw what cream we use and all my hair ties. And it, it, was a, it was a bit of an intimate photo actually now that I think about it. But at the time, I did not think twice because I was just excited to be finally able to share that I was pregnant because I was getting a bit bigger and I felt a bit more comfortable with it being out there. And I wasn't prepared for the um, onslaught of, wow, you really need a cleaner or something like that. Um, but anyway, with my bedroom, I actually haven't shared a photo in a long time, but I might summon the courage to do it when I promote this podcast. So how to describe our bedroom? Well, first of all, <laughs> Alfie and I tried to sleep together. And I mean, just like sleeping in the bed, not, you know, having sex. Um, sorry for as much as we can, but it's, it's actually quite rare that we sleep in the same bed because of the problem of my snore. I have a huge snore and I have a sleep apnea, which is a really sexy thing to have. If you don't know what that is, you should Google it basically. You think you're dying about 10 times a night and you wake up screaming, thinking you're being suffocated by yourself. It's great. It's really fun. Anyway, my kids have got used to my sleep apnea. I don't think they even really know. They know that I snore because I occasionally get some little barbed comments from them, but they are so used to it. So when we, I guess, failed with Donnie and sleep the first time, and by failed, I, I'm joking. I, I know nothing is a failure and, you know, it's all okay. But in terms of actually getting him into a cot, say, we didn't even bother. <laughs> we tried with the Moses basket, I think. And then we tried getting him into... I don't even think we tried after the Moses basket because by this point it was clear we were living in a two bedroom flat, which we still live in, but it was a different one. That he wasn't going to sleep on his own without screaming. And I'm worried someone's creeping up the stairs. I can hear them. Is someone creeping up the stairs? Margot? Hmm. Um, so. Yes, we, we, we had to work out a way of Donnie sleeping on his own, me and Alfie getting enough sleep so that we could function. And it quickly became clear that I couldn't sleep in the same room as Alfie. So I slept with Donnie and we got a small double bed. And then it became clear that Donnie, when he could wander around, wasn't safe in this bed. Because, and this was on the floor, a mattress on the floor, so it's actually not even technically a fucking bed. Um, so we got a cage, our first cage. And if you don't know what a cage is, uh, and I don't mean like a, you know, a prison cage, it's like a nice wooden pen, but we call it the cage. And it meant that I knew if I woke up in the middle of the night or if Donnie woke up in the middle of the night, he couldn't just wander off and, you know, fall off the bed and go and look at some plugs. He could just, be in the cage with his toys and stuff and to be honest I love the cage it makes me feel so safe and secure and I can't imagine another way of sleeping now when Margot was born I slept with Margot and then Alfie slept with Donnie and I think we didn't even bother trying to even get a cot I just thought well this is the way it works this is great whatever 
And with Margot, when she was born, because she was such a good feeder, but she fed all the time, it meant that I just fed her in bed and I just, that was the way I could get more sleep. And it, it kind of worked. Then we moved flats and we broke up, which was fun, another fun thing. And by this point, obviously, I was on my own and there was no need for them to have their own like bedroom and stuff because we were living in a one bedroom flat and it was easy. And so I just slept with them. And it wasn't like I decided that we were going to become these co-sleepers, but it just happened. And Margot was so tiny when we broke up and Donnie was still tiny. He was under two that it was just easier for me to pretend that I was asleep with going when they were going to bed and then I just went to bed with them most of the time. And if I didn't go to bed with them, I knew that they were safe in the cage. And then I just crawled into the cage with them later after I'd done some work and it was easy. And I think my point is co-sleeping isn't sometimes for the reasons you think. <laughs> so for us, it's about getting as much sleep as we can. And not trying to conform with the, you know, what you think a child's bedroom should be like. And also sometimes you can't afford a bedroom for a child and they have to make do in your room and that's okay. And it's evolved in so many ways. The cage has gone with us everywhere we've gone, everywhere we've lived. And we have lived in so, I'm just going to hear what that sound is because I think someone is coming after me. Hang on. Oh, I know what it is. <laughs> to try and distract Ten from the fact that I was leaving the room, he was with my mum. I gave him a metal water bottle and a steel straw. So if you hear some light drumming going on, that's Ten. And I'm sorry if that annoys you. I know that I have had some audio issues on this podcast and they will continue. So you have that to look forward to. Anyway, the cage has gone with us everywhere we've lived. We've lived in about, and I'm not joking, nine flats or houses since Donnie was born, which is insane. We rent, so we can move. And I think if you can move, move. <laughs> Find where you want to live. Anyway, we've now found a flat that is nice. It's still two bedrooms. And the same problem exists with my sleep apnea slash snoring. But we've got into a system now where finally, at the age of five and seven, Donnie and Margot are quite happy in their beds. They had toddler beds for a while and they never slept in them. Now we've got a proper bunk bed. We found it. Don't find it on the street, but we, um, we, somebody was giving away a bunk bed and we, we took it and we've managed to, it's actually not a bunk bed. It's a, just a high bed. And we've managed to slot Margot's, a single mattress under the high bed. And my mum rather cleverly, she's a bit of an inventor, has slotted some wooden boards under her bed so she's got a little raised bed as well but unfortunately it it, it squeaks so <laughs> we do wake up a number of times at night thinking there's some kind of animal in the room and largely they sleep in their their single bed and then Margot usually creeps into my bed at about 4 a.m and by that time I'm fine actually she doesn't creep she shouts from her bed and I I always wake up and I'm and terrified something's going wrong. And she says, can I come into your bed? And every day I say to her, you don't have to ask. 
you can just come in. You don't have to wake me up. But she still (laughs) doesn't remember that. Anyway, 10, he has his own cot and it's the first cot I've actually purchased myself. He had like a Moses basket and a baby cot and that was lovely. And, you know, he slept in it for a lovely 20 minutes at a time. But this time he has a proper cot. I thought if I spend the money on the cot, maybe I'll sleep in the cot. And that's not because I don't want to co-sleep with him. It's more just thinking, let's just try. Let's try and be, you know, normal and have a cot. And the baby sleeps in the cot. Let's try. Okay, so... The cot hasn't worked. He has a good hour nap in it a day, which is great on a good day. That is sometimes an hour and a half. Amazing. So the daytime is fine. Uh, There are lots of, uh, there's lots of advice there about what to do to get baby more used to the cot. So like you shouldn't let them be in the cot other than for sleep. That didn't work for me because it's quite a good place to keep the baby safe when I'm doing something. So he does think of the cot now as the place where he's trapped. And so he's just like standing there and screaming and holding onto the edge. So that's probably why I've gone wrong as well. But he basically, he sleeps in the cot probably until about 10. He goes to bed, which is good. I finally got a bedtime for him. He goes to bed probably about 7.38. Actually, no, he goes to bed at the same time as them, which is actually later. He goes to bed after eight. Sometimes he goes to bed early if I'm letting them stay up. Anyway, that's really boring. Sorry. He, he stays in the cot for a good few hours. And that's actually enough for me because it means I can read, get them to sleep. And then from 11 p.m. onwards, I'm, I'm just like, okay, just come into the bed. It's fine. And then he sleeps in the middle. And then when Margot gets up at 4 a.m. with her screaming, she comes into the bed usually. If she's not in the bed when I wake up, I'm always quite confused because she's she's just there. She just appears. Um, and it all works perfectly. And, I, and so many people are scared of co-sleeping because they're worried they're going to suffocate the children. But honestly, you just don't. You really just, you just, I mean, obviously, I'm sure there are some cases, but I I just think it's an instinct that you don't suffocate them. <laughs> And it, it largely works for us. And then right now, Donnie's not very well. And he, he, he's chosen to sleep by my feet at the foot of the bed. And I said, okay, you can't. It's, it's too stressful for me to just think I'm kicking you in the face while I sleep. So we've made him a little makeshift thing at the foot of the bed, just off the bed within the cage. It looks insane if you come into this room. And I know that. But it works for us. And I think that's the point again about how to how to how to parent. If it works for you, brilliant. And other people can judge it, other people can bitch about it on Instagram. But if it works for you, then what is the problem? And if I had more time and if I wasn't trying to maybe do as much work as I am, or or if I if I if it was such a priority for me to get the baby into a cot and them into a system, like a normal, they, they, they have a system. It's worked out. Like they're, you know, five and seven hours worked out. They have a system. They know their bedtime. They, it, it, it feels so frantic at the beginning where you think I need to get them into a routine and I need to have a proper cot and I need to have a system and a bath time and a bedtime. And 
the right baby monitor and all of this. And baby monitor is another issue I might actually just spend a whole podcast talking about. But I think the time goes so quick and they aren't going to sleep with me forever. I mean, of course they're not. And whenever they're not here and they're staying with my mom, I love like, like either having the bed to myself or being with Alfie. And then like at 3am moving upstairs because I'm snoring too much. Um, but the time is so short where they're little. So why not just, you know, enjoy it? And I'm not meaning to be now kind of overly positive about co-sleeping, but there is a, a passage in this book that I read called Mother, an Unconventional History by Sarah Knott, which is quite interesting, actually, about the history of, well, I just said it, didn't I? <laughs> the history of motherhood, but the unconventional history. And there's a quote on the front that says, timely and fascinating. That's Amanda Foreman. I don't know who she is. She's a woman. Um, but it's, it's mainly stories of how women in the past did it. And they didn't have a snoo cot, did they? And they didn't have a nanette baby monitor. And usually, actually, according to this book, they co-slept. And that is, that is obviously because most people, I don't know, they, they had to share a bed because there was 12 children and they didn't have enough bedrooms. But there was this one bit that I loved. And don't worry, I'm not going to read very much of it. But let me just find it. So this woman had 12 kids, which is what I'm going for. That's a joke. Joke, Alfie, if you're listening, don't worry. Um, <laughs> so her, her recollection of the middle of the night that distinctive intimacy was fond, prescriptive and defiant. I don't care what doctors say. I believe it is best for mother and child to be together. That's what I hang on to. And my mum, who co-stepped with us, she, when she was a GP, I don't know if I've said this before, sorry, but she, when she was working full time, when we were younger, she said that, thank God she co-slept because it was the time that she actually got to spend with us. And even though we were asleep, she at least was guarding us and was there. And I think that's also so nice. I, I feel like I am guarding them quite a lot, especially when Alfie's out and working. I do feel like I'm their guard and it's my job to protect them. And it's easier protect them, to protect them if they are right next to me. There's also a few other quotes. Let me find them. So a lot of the time in, I don't know what period of time this was. When was this? Oh, 1937. This was in 1937. So a lot of the time the baby did sleep on their own in the day, say under a tree, you know, find a nice tree while the, you know, the parents did stuff like, I don't know, find things to eat. I don't know what happened then. <laughs> Sorry. I really should have highlighted. Maybe I'll spend an episode highlighting. You can hear me highlighting. So by day, the baby was kept in the crib or on a quilt under the shade of a tree while Verna May worked outside. Verna May is the woman that we've just been talking about in this chapter, but I should have said her name at the beginning. That's another mistake I made anyway. But at night, she let them sleep and nurse with her. She made no immediate report of these nights, but their memory only gained in retrospect. Four more boys and 40 years later, she described the pleasure of sleeping with your child and letting it nurse as two of the greatest blessings that God gave mothers. These tactile pleasures, she remembered, 
made for a closeness that cannot be understood unless you have experienced it. That's nice. Now, I don't believe in God. I don't think. I mean, I did have a really long chat with Donnie and Margot about God yesterday, and it made me think maybe I should believe in God because they were so adamant that God exists, and it was so nice. I was thinking maybe I should just maybe I should have just pretended that I believe in God. Was that mean of me? But yeah, I do feel like it's quite an uh, I don't know. I was going to use the word holy, but I use the word holy way too much. I've realised there is something so special about sleeping with them as a mother. And I do think it will, I'll carry that with me forever. So if you are thinking of co-sleeping and you're worried that you and your partner are going to grow distant because you're not sleeping in the same bed and you're putting your children first, I promise you that's not the case. I'm not going to, you know, now be gross about my relationship with Alfie, but we have a really good relationship and we're really close. And actually, it makes it even better when we do sleep in the same bed together because it's like, this is a novelty, just like actually being in a bed together. And you find that time to have your closeness with your partner and it just becomes a bit different and a bit fun and a bit weirder. And that's that's cool. So, <laughs> oh my God, sorry to sound, I do I sound really creepy? Anyway. Don't worry about it affecting you and your relationship because I can, uh, trust me, it doesn't. And also, I think a lot of people worry about having more children and that affecting your relationship. And of course, it does have an effect, it has an, makes an impact with how much time you guys can spend together on your own. But again, it makes the time that you do spend together so much more amazing, I think. So I'm just here to just put some positivity into your mind about co-sleeping and or having more children so i hope that was okay that was i think episode four and i'm gonna go now because i can hear more screaming coming i think nativity three has reached a uh a climax point <laughs> and i can't wait to watch it again you know i cannot wait to go downstairs and watch this film for the second time in the space of six hours well i hope you all have a lovely day and I will be back with episode five, where I'm going to be talking about feeding, breastfeeding, bottle feeding, and food feeding. Because somebody suggested that on Instagram, and I like to do what people say. Thank you very much for listening, and goodbye.